1: Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. The show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts.
2: Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is February first, 2024. It's been 3656 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014. And one year and 342 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's podcast looks at events that happened on Wednesday and Thursday morning. During the podcast, you will find the Russia-Ukraine war map helpful to visualize the areas discussed. There are map updates today, and the link is in the podcast description. The Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense and the Ukrainian General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine morning reports, operational commands North, South and East of Ukraine, open-source intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian male bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. There are only small changes, so if you skip ahead, you won't hurt my feelings, because I won't even know. 1. Unseasonably warm weather forecasted for later in the week will impact tractability for both combatants as the saturated surface soil thaws. This is the last day of this entry. 2. In our assessment, it is almost certain the United States has ended financial and military aid to Ukraine, unless there is an unforeseen event that changes congressional leadership. 3. The actions of Congress are damaging the US global standing as a trusted ally of democratic states and have partially contributed to increased kinetic and hybrid warfare activity executed by Russia and its so-called axis of resistance of Belarus, North Korea, Iran and their proxies. 4. The armed forces of Ukraine are facing critical ammunition shortages, particularly air defense missiles and artillery rounds, that are directly impacting the ability to continue active defense operations along the entire line of conflict. 5. We assess that Ukraine's decision to build a 1,000 km long static echelon defense is strategically sound. This is the last day of this entry. 6. Russian forces have established an operational objective to capture Chasiv Yar, west of Bakhmut. Seven Russian commanders have put mission objectives over all other considerations and are committed to capturing the Avdiivka salient, regardless of the cost. Eight. We maintain that combat that closely resembles World War I trench warfare versus 21st century combined arms maneuver warfare will continue for the foreseeable future. Nine. We maintain that Russia's ongoing political purge is accelerating, and the Putin regime is accelerating its transition into a fascist state, and further assess that in the medium and long term, this shift will endanger global security and stability. 10. While the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhzhia nuclear power plant remains low, the threat should be taken seriously. We begin in Kharkiv Oblast, in the Kupiansk area of operation, or AO. Mutual fighting continued in the area of Sinkivka with no change in the situation. Russian sources, including the Russian Ministry of Defense, or Armored, reported that Ukrainian forces launched an offensive from Tabayevka. Yes, that means Armored admitted they don't control the village. Two Iranian Solz-Shahid-136 one-way drones hit the city of Kharkiv, damaging a, quote, civilian industrial facility. No injuries were reported. In the kremlin of Luhansk Oblast, mutual fighting was reported east of Terny and Yampolivka, with no change in the situation. The General Staff of Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that Russian troops tried to advance in the direction of Torske without success. The Russian Aerospace Forces or VKS were very active, striking Ukrainian positions along the entire line of conflict south of Dubrova to Terny. Southwest of Kremina, I have exciting breaking news. Armad did not make its traditional report of fighting in the area of Dubrova. Instead, reporting fighting was happening near the village of Kuzmene. In the Lisychanskoyo, Russian sources claimed that Russian troops had launched an offensive southeast of Bilohorivka. In occupied Luhansk Oblast, Russian officials are blaming Ukraine for a drone delivered IED attack on the settlement of Slovyano which killed one and wounded another. The settlement is over 65 kilometers from the line of conflict, and Ukraine does not have a bomber drone with this capability. Next, let's talk about the Donbass. In northeastern Donetsk Oblast, in the Bakhmut Ayo, fighting remains limited. Russian sources reported positional fighting continued in the area of Bogdanivka. Southwest of Bakhmut, fighting continued in the areas east of Ivanivske with no change in the situation. In the Kleshevka Ayo, positional fighting continued north of Kleshevka and restarted east of Andreevka, with no change in the situation. Russia is repeatedly attacking the settlement of Myrnohrad with missiles, drones, and rockets fired by multiple launch rocket systems, or MLRS. Located 35 kilometers from the line of conflict and not located on a critical ground line of communication, or gloc that's a supply line, that would support the Bakhmut or Avdiv IOs, the attacks appear to be for no reason beyond destroying the town. In southwestern Donetsk oblast, Russian forces maintained their attacks in the Avdivka Ayo, as Ukrainian defensive lines continued to hold. Russian forces attempting to advance on Stepové were able to cross the railroad grade before suffering heavy losses and retreating. Russian propagandist Venkor Katonak wrote that the situation in Avdivka is very challenging for Russia, while claiming that the Tsarska Ochota Resort is under Russian control. Quote, Objectively, it has become more difficult to fight the enemy. He means Ukraine. The enemy uses artillery to a minimum without revealing firing points, compensating for this with the massive use of drones. It's very convenient. Minimal firing points, observation posts, operation of stealth cameras with drones. I'm more concerned about our strategy. Refusal of the primitive. Quick sidebar. He is referencing Russia's use of World War II-style tactics. And saving our people is relevant, preventing tosses into pits. Russian mercenary mill blogger North Wind had a different assessment and said the capture of Tsarska Ochota was untrue. Quote, Do you remember how the situation with the capture of the Avdivka industrial zone developed? Whether it was taken or not, no one cares. They said on the TV that they did. Go and kill yourself, but the TV is right. Same with the shouts, we took the Tsarska Uhota. The same blood, the same victims, the same nonsense. Unquote. Deflating recent claims of battlefield success, Russian President Vladimir Putin, during his first campaign speech of 2024, told the audience that Russian troops had captured 19 houses on the outskirts of Avdivka and received thunderous applause. Quick assessment. Neither combatant controls Tsarska Uchota and Russian troops don't control any area north of Sportivna Street. Putin also confirmed by accident that Russian forces have moved through the industrial district or into the duchess south of the Terrakon, 19 houses after 117 days of fighting. In occupied Spartak, a Russian logistics and fire base was attacked by multiple Baba Yaha drones, causing major damage, killing two, wounding four, and destroying at least ten vehicles attached to an artillery unit. On the southern flank, Russian troops continued their attempts to advance from the eastern edge of Первомайске and east of Nevelske without success. In the Vugledario, Russian forces continued to attack Novomikhailovka from the northeast, east and south. Northeast of the settlement, Russian troops were able to advance, creating a salient. Finally, in the Staromlynevka I.O., fighting continued north of Priyutne, with no change in the situation. There are major developments in the Black Sea, occupied Crimea, Mykolaiv and Odessa. The Russian Black Sea Fleet had 13 vessels on patrol, including a frigate and two Kilo-class submarines capable of launching 16 caliber cruise missiles. Had? Yes, had. The Ukrainian Navy sank their Tarantul-class missile corvette Ivanovets, which suffered at least 3 direct hits from Mark 5 Sea Baby uncrewed surface vessels or USVs. Video shows the fatal blow was delivered by a USV that struck the same location as the first hit, which had penetrated the hull. The USV entered the ship before exploding. The Ivanovitz, which had a crew of 50, sunk minutes later, going down by the stern. we link to the video in our situation report, and it is a must-watch. There is more information in the podcast description. Occupied Crimea was attacked by Ukrainian missiles, with hits recorded at Bilbek military airfield north of Sevastopol. Local video showed smoke rising from an earlier strike and a second missile arriving at supersonic speed. Armand claimed that 20 Storm Shadow cruise missiles were used and all 20 were shot down. The Storm Shadow is subsonic and the video shows the hitters from a supersonic weapon. Russian Memblogger Two Majors reported two missiles struck the Lyubimovka area, but didn't cause significant damage. Operational Command South reported five missiles struck targets in occupied Crimea. Despite the Great Victory Declaration from Moscow, local insurgents and Russian sources reported that the airbase was hit, destroying a radar array and a Su-30 multirole fighting and severely damaging two Su-27s. The attack reportedly killed 12 and wounded 10. We cannot verify all the claims. All is going to plan. In Mokolaev, an Iranian-sourced Shahid-136 one-way drone struck grain warehouses, causing a fire. A security guard at a nearby retail store was severely injured. Here is what we know about the Russian front. Armand reported that Ukrainian drones were shot down in the Nizhny Novgorod, Pskov, Belgorod, Kursk, and Voronezh regions, but failed to mention Leningrad. It's okay, I'll talk about it. In the Leningrad region, a Ukrainian drone struck the Nevsky Mazut oil refinery in the center of St. Petersburg, causing significant damage. Russia claims the attack hit three empty storage tanks, and the fire was quickly extinguished. But pictures and videos show significant infrastructure damage. The Crimean Tatai Insurgent Group Atesh claimed responsibility for the sabotage of railroad equipment at Piervamaiska Tambov region. The spur line connects to military unit fourteen two hundred seventy two where missiles are stored.
1: You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia Ukraine war podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Mountcontentnews.
0: News. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system.
2: Here is my theater-wide update. On January 31st and February 1st, Air defenses intercepted two of four Shahid-136 one-way drones launched at Ukraine. Additionally, a Kh-59 guided air-to-surface missile was shot down near Kryvyi Rih. Ukraine's decoys continue to improve, with pictures and videos showing an AN-MPQ-64 Sentinel radar that is extremely convincing. We link to the video and most of the pictures and resources I mention in our situation report. You can find out how to become a subscriber in the podcast description. President Volodymyr Zelensky dismissed Roman Semenchenko, head of the Security Service of Ukraine Department for the Protection of National Statehood. The firing is reportedly due to the SBU monitoring journalists within Ukraine who have identified corruption or called out problems within the military. New reports suggest that President Zelensky wants to dismiss the Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, Colonel-General Valery Zaluzhny, because of disagreements over future mobilization. The Washington Post claimed that Zelensky didn't see a need and there was a lack of basic resources, including training equipment and uniforms. Zaluzhny objected, believing these issues could be fixed, there are increasing battlefield losses, and Russia's addition of 400,000 soldiers in 2023 must be addressed with a larger force. President Putin announced that Russia was starting a new quote, large-scale offensive, unquote, in Ukraine, and that Moscow's plans go beyond the illegally annexed Republic of Crimea and oblasts of Luhansk, Donetsk, Zaporizhia and Kherson. Quote, The militarized zone in Ukraine should be at such a distance that would ensure the safety of peaceful cities from shelling. Which would include drones and missiles. Let's see. The first day of Putin's new large-scale offensive. Ukrainian drones hit the center of St. Petersburg, Russia, at least two missiles hit the Belbek military airfield, and a Black Sea Fleet ship was sunk. Wait, there's more in the coming up. The commander of the Defense Forces of Estonia, General Martin Haram, said Russia is increasing the jamming of GPS signals in the Baltic states. The incidents are impacting civilian aviation across Eastern Europe. General Haram believes that these incidents are done to mask activity and are increasing the risk of conflict with the NATO alliance. The head of the Defense Intelligence Directorate of the Ministry of Defense of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, Kirill Budanov suggested Ukrainian forces would return to offensive operations in the spring. In his assessment, Russian combat potential will be, quote, completely exhausted. CIA Director William Burns gave a speech outlining the Foreign Intelligence Arms Assessment of the ongoing war. He said that the United States has lost its, quote, indisputable supremacy in the world because of China and Russia, and compared the situation to the start of the First Cold War or the 9-11 attacks. The agency believes the post-Cold War era ended when Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine in 2022. Despite the grim assessment, he added that Russia's war of aggression is already a failure, with 315,000 Russian soldiers killed and wounded and two-thirds of its tank reserve destroyed. He also added that the Russian economy is becoming increasingly dependent on China, which could lead to Moscow becoming a servant of Beijing. He believes that 2024 will be, quote, difficult on the battlefield in Ukraine, and that the key to success lies in maintaining Western aid. Almost two years ago, oligarch Roman Abramovich sold the Chelsea football club, that's soccer for my American listeners, after his bank accounts were frozen due to sanctions. The money from the sale, which was supposed to go to Ukraine, remains frozen. The $3.1 billion is being held because the United Kingdom can't agree with how the money should be used. Abramovich said that the funds should go to all victims of the conflict in Ukraine and its consequences. But later qualified that all of the victims are in the occupied territories. The UK is insisting the money be used to provide humanitarian aid only in free Ukraine. If you have your favorite coffee cup with you, I'll let you put it in a safe place so you don't throw it across the room. Ready? Ok. The promises made by the European Union to provide another 600,000 to 650,000 shells by the end of March have already fallen apart. The EU originally pledged to provide 1 million artillery shells in March 2023, with delivery completed by March 2024, with approximately 330,000 rounds delivered by the end of December. The EU High Representative for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, Joseph Borrell, said, By March, today I expect this figure will be increased by 200,000 more, thus reaching 524,000." Those screams in the background are coming from our analyst team. Moving to assessment. This is embarrassing for the West and catastrophic for Ukraine. Had the promised 600,000 to 650,000 artillery shells been delivered in time, it would have stabilized Ukraine's artillery supply for at least 100 days. During an interview, Borrell also announced that EU nations have committed to providing Ukraine with 21 billion euros in military aid in 2024. The Minister of Defense of Ukraine Rustem Umerov wrote a letter to his EU counterparts stating Russia has an "...overwhelming numerical advantage, with Ukraine unable to fire more than 2,000 artillery shells a day." Germany announced a new military aid package for Ukraine. The details are included in our situation report. Additionally, Germany has committed to providing military training to 10,000 more Ukrainian soldiers in 2024. The French company CEFA is providing Ukraine with 16 EFA pontoon bridge layers. President of Ecuador Daniel Noboa confirmed that he was transferring all of the nation's Soviet and post-Soviet military hardware to the United States in exchange for military aid despite protests from Russia. It's unclear how much equipment is viable. Ecuador currently has Mi-17 helicopters, BM-21 Grad and RM-70 MLRS, OSA air defense systems and BMP-3 infantry fighting vehicles. During the recording of today's podcast, we received breaking news. The president of the EU Council, Charles Michel, reported that the 50 billion euro macrofinancial aid package for Ukraine was approved without conditions. In Kyiv, Minister of Defense Umerov and the Inspector General of the U.S. Department of Defense Robert Storch signed a memorandum of understanding that will increase U.S. control over Ukraine's use of international aid. The U.S. Deputy Secretary of State Victoria Nuland believes that Congress will sustain military aid, given its critical role in the survival and prosperity of Ukraine. Quote, the American people realize and admire the miracle that Ukraine has already achieved in defending itself against the current sinister Russian aggression. Unquote. NATO Secretary-General Jan Stoltenberg met with Speaker of the House Johnson and other congressional members without any breakthrough. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz and the leaders of Denmark, the Czech Republic, Estonia and the Netherlands wrote a joint letter appealing for Europe to double its aid to Ukraine and to hand over ammunition and weapons immediately. Quote, if Ukraine loses, the long-term consequences and costs will be much higher for all of us. We, the Europeans, bear a special responsibility. Therefore, we must act. The future of Europe depends on this. Flying on Air Force One, U.S. National Security Council coordinator for strategic communications John Kirby was asked about U.S.-European relations as military aid ends for Ukraine. You can hardly blame other leaders around the world from thinking about what other decisions they have to make now based on the uncertainty that the United States is going to be able to come through. I think other leaders in Europe and elsewhere can be forgiven for working through in their own minds how they are going to be able to support Ukraine, should the United States not be able, thanks to what's going on on Capitol Hill. Unquote. What's going on in the land of Mobik's mobilization and Mir? Here is the non-combat update for Russia. On January thirty-first, the Russian Officers Killed in Ukraine project documented 3,500 deaths since February 24, 2022. That number does not include private military company leaders, Chechen forces or officers in the so-called Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republics. Senior Lieutenant Konstantin Vargaty was number 3,500 and the 982nd Senior Lieutenant of the Russian Federation Armed Forces killed in action. Analysts believe it will take over a decade for Russia to restore its officer corps. Russian tank commander and mill blogger Gleb Kozlov was killed in action in the Donetsk region. Kozlov is the third high-profile soldier blogger killed in six weeks and had 14,000 followers on Telegram. On February 26, 2023, Kozlov released a video that has officially aged like room-temperature milk. Quote, on this bright day, the Forgiveness Sunday, we'd like to ask forgiveness from the f- Hohols. For insulting them online and for firing at them from tanks. Please leave our land, or you will be destroyed. Now fire at the Hohols. In a meeting with Russian Minister of Defense Sergei Shoigu, new Chinese Minister of Defense Don Jun said the PRC would support Russia on the, quote, Ukrainian issue, unquote. Despite continuing pressure from the United States, Dong was educated in Moscow and his first meeting as Minister of Defense was with Shoigu. Now, what political events could convince China it is the right time to become bolder in its rhetoric against the United States? I wonder. The War Crimes and Human Rights section of the Russia-Ukraine War podcast sometimes discusses graphic details of atrocities, human suffering, and gender-based violence. Today's podcast does not include graphic content. Russia and Ukraine completed a prisoner of war exchange, with 207 Ukrainians repatriated and 195 Russians returned. The exchange included 95 members of the army, 56 from the National Guard, 26 border guards, 29 from territorial defense, and one member of the National Police. There were 180 enlisted personnel and 27 officers, with 36 suffering from serious illness or injuries. People who were on the list of soldiers allegedly killed on January 24 in an Il-76 crash were not part of the exchange. That list, released by Russian state media, included 18 names of previously exchanged soldiers. Currently, over 1,600 defenders of Azovstal, who surrendered on May 12, 2022, as part of a United Nations and International Committee of the Red Cross-Broker Deal, remain in captivity. Most are members of the 12th Azov Brigade. During his campaign speech, President Putin claimed that the Kremlin supports an international investigation into the shootdown of the Il-76 military transport, but no nation has offered to conduct one. However, there's a twist because Vlad the Impalier only wants one aspect investigated. I am saying this officially. We are asking to send international experts to conduct this analysis and assess the material evidence the plane was shot down by the Patriot system. The UN International Court of Justice made a partial ruling on Ukraine's accusations against the Russian Federation regarding the financing of terrorism judging some of the claims unfounded. Taking a conservative approach to international humanitarian law, the court did find that Russia failed to investigate the financial support of Russian military-backed separatists in the Donbass in 2014. However, the judges defined financing of terrorism to extend only to cash assistance, which does not include providing weapons or ammunition. The court's interpretation means that because Russia directly provided the Buk air defense system that shot down Malaysian Airlines Flight 17, it didn't finance terrorism. Because there wasn't a cash transaction. Take all the time you need to ponder the global security implications. The court also ruled that the Crimean Tatars and ethnic Ukrainians were not subjected to physical violence and persecution from the Russians on the basis of their ethnicity. The court did note that monitoring organizations don't have access to occupied Crimea, so there was no way to prove or disprove the claims. Finally, I have some good economic news to end today's podcast. For the first time in history, Ukraine is able to meet the demand for natural gas independently. Currently, there are 10 billion cubic meters in storage. Ukraine has a record number of producing wells and increased domestic production by 11% despite being at war. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all.
1: You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand?